It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Welcome, everybody. Welcome to my favorite episode of the entire year. The Ears Up Spooky Stories, or maybe it's the Spooky Scary Stories. I don't really remember what it's called. I think it changes every year. <laughs> Taryn's stuttering. Are you all right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, uh, this is... This Bev's very demanding today. I can't do my uh, Miss New Booty dance for her, and then now Taryn can't. I'm imagining that was a cough. I don't know. Do whatever it was that that was. <laughs> Uh, Suddenly she was coughing in a cave and it just echoed. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is the time of the year where we write our own spooky stories in in the uh, favor of the Halloween season. We try to make them scary, try to revolve around the parks in some way, shape, or form. And every year, I hate the person who comes up with this stupid idea because God, they suck. They're the worst person in the world. It's me. Um, I think it's fun. It's a great idea in August. <laughs> And then like four o'clock today, it's like, why, why am I doing this to myself? This is the hardest. It's, it's so incredibly tough. It's tough to do it. Well, I sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can make up a story where like, like a paragraph, like then the guy, uh, gave him a $5 bill for a churro. And the guy said, it's actually five fifty. Oh, you know, and then, yeah. And then you're done. Yeah. You did your work. <laughs> Wait, that would have counted? I could have done that? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you're not getting graded. So, yeah, you literally could have um, just held up your marriage certificate and then put it down and be like, I don't know, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got to do. That's funny. Uh, anyway, everybody, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you joining us. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, maybe. Uh, if you have feedback on the show, if you want to tell us how we're doing or... Um, or just how we're doing. Uh, Taryn at earsup-podcast.com. That's earsup all with a Z. I know you can go to like earsup with an S and find the website, but the email doesn't work that way. So earsup-podcast.com um, or the uh, form on our website. You can use that too. Send show suggestions to Terrence at earsup-podcast.com. You can say hi, hi. to Bev and anything else, me, Jason, um, yada, yada. We already told you about the email addresses too um just so you guys know disneyland is not only now open but um i heard there's rumors like they're they're gonna start raising the uh the daily like limit the capacity limit on on the parks plus there's a ton of people traveling now to disneyland that's like the new thing because travel restrictions are being raised up so the parks are super busy so if you want to go you better be using concierge go to com. not only can you get tickets at the, the disneyland price like whatever whatever Disneyland would pay for or charge you, but they are your secret weapon in booking reservations for shows and for meals and also how to navigate all of this new lightning lane stuff and then my genie plus and all this kind of nonsense. Concierge are your experts in the field. They know exactly what to do and it's no extra charge. This is a service that they provide uh, above and beyond just whatever you're paying for your tickets. So check them out. Uh, they are official travel supporter. So uh, concierge.com. Buy your tickets. Buy your tickets through concierge. Uh, if you want to join the Discord, let's go, baby. Send me an email. I've got to get the, the permanent link up on the website, like Jeremy said the other day on one of the shows. I just I, I got to do it, but I, I want to just revamp the entire website. And I started to do that the other day, and I realized I am in way over my head. I have no <laughs> idea how to do any of this at all. <laughs> 
It's just, it, it's, yeah, it's weird. I'm like clicking buttons and I can refresh and have it open another tab. And I look and I see like nothing's changed. I'm like, but I've changed the, this setting. Either this setting doesn't work or I'm doing it wrong or this, I, I just, I don't know, man. I can't figure it out. So, uh, you know, bald man yells at technology is the story for today. <laughs> but anyway, if you want to join the Discord, it's fun. We, we, we hang out and we chat and we share Disney news. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's about it. Uh, Taryn, do you have feedback? I have no idea. I don't think we have feedback. No. I don't think so, but okay. I spent all my week on this story. Yeah. Um, zero time on feedback. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you can support us in a couple of ways. You can go to Etsy.com slash shop slash Cubiers. Pick up some uh, churro shirts or some Cubiers if you want to decorate your Mickey Mouse hats or mm-hmm. some masks or whatever. I'm using our mask that we have on the store as like a second mask if I ever to go into like the doctor's office or whatever, you know, I have my N95 and I just slap one of those on. They're thin enough, but they're not like super thick where it's like really hard to breathe, but it makes me feel better. And, um, and it looks cool because it's the uh, Adventureland sign, but it says Tomorrowland on it. Yep. Um, that's funny to me. But the best way, go to patreon.com slash ears up and support us at the $5 a month or more level. You get uh, the entire back catalog of secret shows. All the other nonsense that we've ever pushed out, like the Pyramid Eye of the Ears or cool people doing cool things or all the artwork we used to publish, all that kind of stuff. It's all there. Five bucks a month gets you all that. And, of course, you can go up um, however you know, however much you want to do and support us that way. Um, okay, fellas, boys and girls, people of all ages. Are we ready? I wish I had uh, uh, like spooky music to like play us in. That's I didn't do that. That's all right. I forgot. I forgot. Uh, 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 oh my god! Yeah. Uh, you're welcome. I was telling Taryn. Um, you know, we we listen to like um, you find uh, like uh, Halloween playlists, right? On on Spotify or Pandora or whatever. And it's like, it's cool because you can kind of get into the season and you just, it's like music you don't normally listen to. But I'm glad when Halloween is over because we don't have to listen to that stupid music because inevitably it's the same. It's like Monster Mash, but it's, it's like all of the variations of the, of the, (laughs) of the song. Um, What's the other one? Um, Well, Thriller. Well, yeah, but that's fine. But there was like another one that it's like, oh my God, I can't wait to know. Purple People Eater. Yeah. That's the one, all the iterations what? of that. And then every single, inevitably every station has these and, and all of their iterations. And then every single version of the Halloween theme song, like to the movies, yeah. dun, 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 which is a good song, right? For, for a theme song to like build tension. But if you're like playing Barbies, <laughs> <laughs> then the techno version of the Halloween theme song comes. You're like, yeah, I'm really in the mood now for <laughs> killing my family. I don't know. It's... <laughs> So I'm like sort of like sad that Halloween's going away because I really do love the the time of year and the season and and just the spoopiness of it. But that music, man, I gotta. It's gotta go. It's gotta go. Next up is Christmas music. Yeah, I mean, at least we sort of like have our own little cultivated Christmas music vibe where we can just sort of. Yeah. It's a little different, I guess, but I don't know, man. Halloween music is tough, and it's like it's a lot of it's from like the fifties and sixties, where everyone is, you know, here's a fun song that's sort of like the Monster Mash, but it's really the, you know, I don't know, the Monster Crash. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's like in the same vein, so you're like, oh, okay, it's this quote unquote vintage, like sort of psychedelic version of a song for kids, and you're like, okay, great. 
Actually, the um, the radio station that they played the uh, Fish Heads song. Fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads. No, no, nobody. I don't, I don't no. even know. Nobody. No. Um, oh, it was big on Doctor Demento years and years ago, dude. Here, no one's ever heard this. Oh, Doctor Demento. What? Fish heads, roly poly fish heads, fish heads, fish heads. Eat them up, yum. Fish heads. No, this doesn't bring any. No. No. Wow, I'm disappointed. In the morning, <laughs> laughing happy fish heads in the What the hell is this? The soup. <laughs> it's a fish head song, man. I took a fish head out to see a movie. Didn't have to pay to get it in. Okay. Sarah in the chat knows the song. Sarah's my new favorite person on this whole entire show. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll tell you what. We're going to get into our stories. Uh, we've got a break to take at some point, and we'll figure that out when that happens. And then we have a little bit of Disney news. Uh, we also are doing the secret show after this. So I'm not going to do a ton of Disney news, but there is some important stuff that we do need to talk about on this main show um, about Disneyland itself. So let's start. Who wants to go first? Who would like to I'll crank go first. I'll get it over with. <laughs> All right, it's man. It's really bad. It's really bad. Like nonsensical and horrible. Let me try to turn so, my lights to like red and creepy. How, it can't be that bad. Is it is? Yeah. Should we make it dark? It can be, and it is. Yeah. Damn. You're an idiot. It never works. You are. You are. An <laughs> Do you really have moron. a clapper? No. No. Oh. He's not. <laughs> so great, though. <laughs> yeah, it would be great to have the if the thing that I didn't have worked. There we go. What do you think of that? And inevitably, Taryn has better lighting than I do, and I don't like that. All right, you ready? All right, Terrence, let's go, baby. Do you have a title? Uh, Yes, The Ears Up Story. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't title it. All right, good. You didn't have to. I'm just curious. Oh, Lord. No, the title is um, It's a Small World After All, dot, dot, dot. All right? Okay. Isn't Uh it? It's fun, but it kind of feels like it's a park for kids. Brad was obviously not impressed. For a guy that was doing his best to keep his girlfriend happy, he was doing a terrible job. Brad, just relax and have fun, said Jennifer, her excitement spilling out of her. It was an unseasonably chilly day, and fortunately, that kept the majority of people away. Brad, please, can you just make this fun for me? Okay, I'll do my best. But Brad wasn't as bored as he seemed. He was actually nervous. He had an important question to ask in front of the castle, but he wasn't sure if the answer would be yes. So while Brad was pondering how to pop the question, he looked up and found that they were in front of the castle with no one around besides a photographer and a couple of characters and costumes. Without even thinking, Brad suddenly dropped to one knee and blurted out, will you make me the happiest woman in the world? Huh? I mean, will will you be the happiest woman in the world by marrying me? Jennifer laughed and cried at the same time, but gladly accepted the proposal. To make the moment that much more memorable, the photographer captured the moment as Mickey, Minnie, and Donald posed with the happy couple. Since it was such a slow day at the park, they were able to get a picture with every single Disney character that they wanted. Peter Pan and Hook, Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Bear, Goofy, Pluto, Lotso. They even got a picture with Jack and Sally by the Haunted Mansion. It seemed that every costume character was roaming the parks that day. It was so magical. Oh, come on. 
They can't close the ride yet, Jennifer complained with her arms crossed in disappointment. It's okay, Jennifer. We can come back tomorrow and ride it. But we start the day in DCA tomorrow, and it's always crazy packed by the time we're able to come into Disneyland. It's been a two-hour wait. Uh, Ma'am, we have about ten minutes before we shut Small World for the night if you'd like to ride. Brad was visibly upset by the cast member's kindness. (laughs) He definitely wanted to avoid the ride, and the fact that it was at the back of the park certainly wouldn't make make trekking through the sea of people to get to their hotel any easier. But after all, this was Jennifer's favorite ride, so they went on. It's a small world after all. Jennifer and Brad were all alone on their boat. Jennifer was enthralled with everything within the ride. You see, Jennifer's parents had taken her to Disneyland when she was a young child, and small world was her favorite ride. Her family would go every year, but then they got divorced. She took turns living with her mom, who moved to San Francisco, and her father, who moved to Wisconsin. Jennifer asked her parents several times to take her back to Disneyland, but the answer was always no. It turns out they met at Disneyland, so assuming that even the good memories for them were painful. Brad, however, was not interested at all in the ride. Brad took the time on a leisurely boat ride to look through his phone at all the pictures that they had taken over the course of the day. But something was strange about every costume character and animatronic. Their eyes were red. Not like stoned red, but a weird crimson color. The cast members in the picture, Brad and Jennifer themselves, even the people caught in the background looked normal. But every single character had bright red eyes. As the ride neared the end, Brad turned to show Jennifer what he was seeing on his phone. The look on Jennifer's face stopped Brad dead in his tracks. They had exited the building, and the area of Fantasyland they had, had been dark 12 minutes later was now bright, like too bright. But the brightness of the area was not the issue. The issue is that the entire area looked like the aftermath of Hiroshima. The Matterhorn was now nothing but a flaming structure of melting metal. The churro stands were completely melted, but the entirety of Small World was still intact. What in the world had happened? But what's worse is the boat was heading back into the ride. What once was a jolly song in a major key was now a scary song in a minor key. Brad, what's happening? I don't know, but try to stay calm. His words were stopped short by what they were now seeing. The small world animatronics were moving, but not moving in the crude way that they were before. They seemed to have compliance in their movement. It was almost lifelike. Brad turned towards Jennifer and grabbed her by the lapels of her jacket. We have to figure out what happened. But she didn't respond. She just seemed to look over his shoulder. There behind them was a small Swiss figure. She had made her way onto their boat. Her eyes were red and seemed to be leaking blood. It's a small world after all, she said in an inquisitive voice before her smile was revealed to contain razor-sharp teeth. She lunged for Jennifer, but Brad was able to knock her into the water. Almost at once, every doll imaginable was coming at them. The three caballeros went for Brad's ankles while Woody and Jesse were trying to lasso Jennifer. Over and over again, their boat went through the ride, while they tried to fight off these small, wonderfully dressed assassins. Finally, as they made their way outside again, Brad managed to make it off of the boat to the loading area, but Jennifer was not so lucky. He waited, and as she exited the building again, it was obvious that one of the beef eaters from the English scene had slit her throat. And there she floated, as he tried to make his way through the rest of the park, as red-eyed pirates, a yeti, and normally cheerful characters slowly made their way towards him. 
And this park, which was once so large, once so vast, seemed to be closing in on him. It was a small world after all. Don't clap. <laughs> that was really good. No, no, that, it was not nearly as bad as you think it is. Yeah. It was. My favorite line was wonderfully dressed assassins. Me too. That was mine too. Thank you. I was proud of that one, actually. That was great. The 21st Amendment Brewery's latest beer release, Tropical Brew Free or Die IPA, puts an island vacation in their whimsically designed cans. That's right, cans. This refreshing year-round release, Tropical IPA, is brewed with pale and Munich malts, brimming with a Zaka, Citra Cryo, and Mosaic hops, and topped with a splash of pineapple flavor. The result is a clean, refreshing beer featuring a mix of sweet malt, balanced bitterness, fruit-forward hops, and a nice tropical vacation at the finish. Tropical Brew for Your Die IPA is available at your local good beer shop, neighborhood taproom, and anywhere else people come together to find great craft beer. I realized maybe it was a little too happy after that. It was that, a little but. awkward. <laughs> that was really, really weird. <laughs> it happens, man, whatever. All right, who should go next? Should I go next? Or, or sure. Bev, Bev? I can go next. All right, Bev. I'd ahead. rather get mine over with. Oh, my goodness. You guys. All right, mine go ahead. Mine is also um, called mine, It's a Small World. named his on the fly. Mine is untitled. Oh, that's my favorite title. <laughs> Spooky. Yeah. I Didn't Try by Beverly Moore. <laughs> She tried. I'm just kidding. I normally God. don't back her up on stuff. She tried so hard on this, which is going to be really sad when it sucks. So Nonsense! Bad. Stop it. Just take your time. Read slower than you think you need to, and you're good. Slow. <laughs> yep, Perfect. that's it. Look, we got a whole hour to fill. Let's. Uh... <laughs> All right. What, what year is it? Yeah, 2021. <laughs> is that in good your story? <laughs> Did you write that yeah. out? Okay. Octo- I'm going to start over. All right, please October do October 21st, 2021. Journal entry. My name is Casey, and I'm a private investigator. I entered this field eight years ago after my parents passed away from, quote, unquote, natural causes. Now I never believed their deaths were natural. Two healthy people in their mid-50s don't just die of natural causes on the exact same day. But everything else had been ruled out. They didn't simultaneously have heart attacks. It wasn't carbon monoxide or any other type of poisoning. They just died. The day of my parents' funeral was the day I decided that I was going to make it my life's work to discover what had happened to them. My goal has always been to discover the true cause of their deaths in the hopes of someday coming across circumstances similar to my parents' deaths. I have tried throughout my career to only take jobs where there has been a death that can't be explained or the circumstances don't add up. Because I've devoted my time to solving these types of puzzles, I've become kind of an expert at figuring out how people die. I can pretty much say I've seen it all, or at least I thought that was the case. It was while investigating the death of a local healthy 28-year-old nurse named Lisa Fields, whose death had just been ruled to be quote-unquote natural causes by the coroner, that I noticed some very strange parallels between the deceased nurse's case and my parents. Now, what I didn't tell you at the beginning of this story was that my parents were huge Disney fans. They had top-of-the-line annual passes every year and took trips to Walt Disney World every other year. When they decided they wanted to go to Hawaii for their anniversary, 
Aulani was the only option that they would consider. You get the picture. Pretty much, if they were going to go on vacation, it was going to be Disney-related in some way. That's just who they were. In fact, they had just returned from a trip to Disneyland a few months prior to their passing. As I was going through some of Lisa's personal items, I came upon her journal. It turns out Lisa was also what one might call a Disney fanatic and had also just returned from a trip to Disneyland a couple months ago. In fact, she died exactly 77 days from the day she returned from her trip. And coincidentally, or maybe not, my parents also died exactly 77 days from the day they got home. There was something else in the journal that I found intriguing. Lisa kept talking about a map that she found in the park and all these things she had to do to find it. She also mentioned that the map had a sinister message written on it, but no other details. What piqued my curiosity was that I vaguely remembered my parents talking about finding a special map on their last trip as well. And they also mentioned that there was some kind of a warning message meant to scare people off written on it. They laughed it off like it was a silly joke. They never told me what that message was, and unfortunately, I never asked. The similarities in these two cases couldn't be ignored. I needed to get to the bottom of this. And what better way to do so than to go straight to the place that these two parties had in common? So I packed my bag and headed to the happiest place on earth. I didn't have all the details, but I was 100% sure Lisa's death and the deaths of my parents were connected. And this mystery map was the key to helping me figure it out. Using Lisa's journal as my guide, I made my way into the park and down Main Street. Apparently, to find the map, there was a series of events that must take place in a very specific order, and then the map would essentially present itself to you. Just so we're on the same page here, at this point, I was sure that I had lost my mind, and I was about to embark on the wildest of wild goose chases. But even if there was a 1% possibility that this was real and had the potential to help me figure out what truly happened to my parents, I had to do it. I owed it not only to my parents, not only to Lisa's family who had hired me, but I owed it to myself. So into the park I went, and I followed the instructions in the journal to AT. My first stop was the Deceptive Penny Arcade, where I had to put a quarter, not a penny, into the Pinocchio the Dancing Boy machine and watch it from start to finish. Once that odious task was complete, I then headed over to the Tiki Room and observed that show from start to finish. Then I made my way over to the Mark Twain Riverboat and rode it around twice in a row. Once all of this was done, I had to go to Snow White's Wishing Well and, you guessed it, wish for the map to present itself to me. I stood at the Wishing Well for approximately 10 minutes, waiting for a magical map to float up from its depths to no avail. I came to the sad conclusion that I had lost my mind. As I was turning to leave to get some lunch, because at this point, I was hangry. I reached into my bag to grab my phone and felt a large piece of paper that wasn't there before. To my absolute shock, I pulled out a map of Disneyland, only this was like no map I had ever seen before. The paper was made from something almost otherworldly. It looked ancient and high-tech all at once. There were animated drawings representing each ride. The rides on the map looked to be moving as though the map was showing them in action. I don't know how to describe it. I don't even know if there are words to describe it. It was beautiful and eerie. 
you could tell just from holding it that there was something wrong about this map. On the bottom of the paper, it said in very fine gold print, congratulations, you have discovered the map. This is the only map of its kind and guarantees the current guest in its possession the best trip ever. Just tap on the ride that you want to go on and you'll be automatically transported to the front of that line. But use at your own risk. This map was created on cursed paper. Once you look upon the map and read these words, you are under its spell. As long as you are within the walls of Disneyland, you are safe. But once you leave the confines of the park... You have exactly 77 days left to live. Upon reading this, I felt several emotions in quick succession. Fear, for obvious reasons, and then joy, because I had figured it out. And the final and strangest emotion that I felt was peace. I had completed my life's work in that moment, and if I had to die, I was happy knowing that I would do so having cracked the case, so to speak. I then decided I might as well see if this map actually works. And it turns out it did. I had the best trip ever that day in Disneyland back in August. I rode every single ride in the park multiple times. It was a great day. And I hadn't felt so close to my parents in years. At the end of the night, as I was preparing to leave, I made the decision that I would destroy the map so that no one would ever be in this situation again. But when I looked into my bag, it was gone. Even though I now have the answer of how Lisa, and my parents for that matter, died, I can't bring myself to tell Lisa's family what happened. First of all, who would believe me? Can you imagine? Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Fields. I discovered how your daughter actually died. She was cursed by a magic map at Disneyland. They'd have me committed. But that's not the only reason I'm not telling them. I don't want anyone else to become curious about that map and to try to find it as a result of something I said. Which is why as soon as I'm finished writing this, I plan to burn this journal. I just had to tell my whole story at least once. Well, you see, that trip I took to Disneyland was on August 7th. And today is October 21st. It's been 76 days since I left Disneyland. Mom, Dad, I'll see you soon. The end. Dang! That was so good. I had chills. Thank you. That was very creative. Yay. I really liked it. Good job, Ben. Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, all right. I think I'm going to go next. All right. Only because I got the news to read and, uh, you know, I got to give everyone a break from my cool voice. All right. I don't have a title. I just. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. yeah. What the crap, bro? No, I was just teasing everybody. I was like, you got a title? And then you guys were doing it. I didn't, I didn't have the heart to tell you that you, oh, you, you did more work than uh, was required of you. So there you go. All right. Here we go. Are you sure this is okay? Asked Laura as they approached the gate. I, I don't want to get you fired. It's fine. Trust me. Just act like you belong here and nobody will care. But I've never done, Laura looked down at her badge, systems analysis before. What if someone asks me, well, anything? Neither has Frank up there, Robert said, gesturing toward the man in the security booth. Robert could read Laura's face, tracing the tension across her brow. He always knew what she was thinking, no matter what. Trust me, he said. Robert's car approached Frank and his gate. He already had his window rolled down and ID ready to flash, along with a rather convincing story for Laura. Frank, Robert started out. 
Of course, he knew Frank wouldn't know him from Adam, but Robert knew it was always best to pretend to know these low-level types. Nothing disarms people quite like the fear of disappointing someone who is nice to them. It's been a while. I see they still got you bullying people on the night watch, eh? Frank was clearly confused, clearly didn't know me, but went with it. Uh, yeah, he stammered, putting his hand out for Robert's ID. At least this morning they had semi-fresh coffee waiting. Robert pretended to care. God bless Chapek, am I right? Frank's attention turned to Laura. Who you got in there? Uh, Beth, she's running system checks on some of the ride computers. Laura gave a wave and angled herself slightly to show her badge. Robert had done an expert job with it, making sure to know the colors being used that day. He even took time to get the font and the spacing correct, leaving nothing to chance, his dad would always say. As Frank leaned in to take a closer look, the phone in his booth rang out violently. Robert held his breath a bit. Frank did a double take at the badge, grabbed the phone from the receiver, and then waved the pair through the gate. They were in. Robert and Laura had been dating for about six months now. A short amount of time for some, but to Robert, a lifetime. Laura was the one for him. He knew that ever since he first saw her. Well, since before he first saw her, when she was just a rumor being passed around. Hey, someone's moving into 3B next week, he heard. Yep, she just signed the papers the other day. I saw her leaving. She looks nice. Robert couldn't help but be intrigued. Sure, lots of people look nice. But if she's anything like the last occupant in 3B, the one who couldn't even be bothered to give him the time of day or even trust him with her spare key so he could water her plants while she was on vacation, the one that suddenly vanished without leaving a forwarding address or even bothering to claim her things, I mean, who does that? He hoped this new tenant would be different. It wasn't until the boxes started arriving that Robert knew Laura was going to be amazing. Tucked away amidst the cardboard river flowing by his door with labels like kitchen and bathroom was one simply labeled Disney. Oh, how Robert's interest peaked at that site. He had thought that getting a job at Disneyland would be his ticket to landing a serious girlfriend because every woman loves Disney, right? And for sure, he had a few run-ins with love, but nothing serious ever came of them. Some ended downright nastily, messy. But none of his past girlfriends ever had a box full of Disney memorabilia. It seemed Laura was different. Robert liked different. Not many people did these days. As Robert guided his car through the back lot of Disneyland, he realized that his whole life was leading up to this moment. Working for Disney had its low points. Of this, there was no room for argument. The smooth, glistening sheen that guests see when they line up at the front gates in the morning, that sparkling dew covering every corner of the park, is just the sweat from every cast member backstage. At least he was lucky enough not to have to put up with some of the hatred his co-workers that do the rides do at times. Robert was calm, but it takes a special kind of person to be that calm, especially in the face of some of the deliberate cruelty guests can dish out. Pulling into a parking space, the large bluish building in front of them stood in the tall night. We're here, Robert said. You still haven't told me what we're doing here. Analyzing systems, Robert said. <laughs> Duh. No, really, tell me. Robert put the car in a park and shut off the engine. Turning to her, he took a deep breath. You'd think giving someone a backstage tour of their favorite place in the entire world would be an easier feat than this. The two exit the car and enter through the white door in front of them. Robert picked this time, 2 a.m., purposefully. He knew the show building would be empty, as most of the park was at this time of night, and those parts that were populated were housing folks that would be well away from their current location. They would be alone. Alone in Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Entering the building, Robert got chills. He always did. This place held so much history, not only for the parks, but for him personally. Good times and bad have happened here. Personal milestones were achieved in this building, and hopefully one more will happen tonight. But first, Robert wanted to show off his park to Laura. Set the scene, if you will. The pair made their way around Main Street, watching the few maintenance cast members painting, touching up the surfaces of the old buildings, and getting this old park ready for a new day of intense capitalism. Meandering through the park at this hour meant nobody really paid much attention to them. If you're walking through Adventureland at 2.30 in the morning, you're meant to be there. And if you're meant to be there, people leave you alone. They walked on, heading for what Laura thought was the entrance to Pirates, but when they reached the entrance of Indiana Jones, Robert took her gently by the arm and said, this way. Meandering through the queue, Robert started to get excited. Everything was working out as he had planned. Nobody was bothering him. Nothing could ruin this day for them. He was unstoppable. About halfway down the line, they stopped at a door. Robert unlocked it, and the two slipped through into a maintenance hallway, around some twists and turns, down some stairs, behind some pylons, and the two emerged right behind Laura's favorite scene in the entirety of this ride. The captain, she exclaimed. Robert had no idea if the skeleton steering the ship's wheel in the storm was a captain or just some schlub, but he had to hand it to the guy. He was dedicated. Robert led her around the front of the display where she could get the full impact, even if the effects were all turned off. Sorry there's no rain and lightning, he said. Oh no, please don't apologize. It's perfect just like this. Laura was always so understanding. And to a guy like Robert, well, that meant everything. Not everyone was. His past was littered with people who just couldn't deal with certain aspects of his personality that Robert felt were quite charming, to be honest. I mean, he was a caring man, and yes, okay, sometimes he went a little too far in showing just how much he valued these people, but you can't demonize someone for that, I mean, can you? Robert didn't think so, and neither did Laura, it seemed. When she caught him trying to open her mailbox in the lobby of their apartment building, she didn't get upset. She understood that it was just an accident, that he meant no harm. The boxes are right next to each other. Of course he didn't tell her the real reason was that he was just trying to get to know her, get to know about her. History bared that out for him a long time ago. No, no. This time, Robert was doing everything the right way. Except for getting caught. That he didn't plan on. And while Laura did seem to avoid him around the building after that, he knew that she was simply playing hard to get. The signs were there. All those phone calls to her friends, spoken at just above what Robert would consider normal speaking volume, enabling him to hear pretty much every thought that echoed from her mouth. He knew that just telling her he was a cast member would be enough to get her back on speaking terms with him, but that was not enough for him. That was easy. That was something the old Robert would have done. But Laura... She was more. She deserved his absolute best, and she was getting it right now. You know, Robert said, I wasn't sure you'd accept my invitation tonight. Can I take some pictures, Laura asked, seemingly lost in her own excitement. I swear I won't post them. It's probably best to wait, just to make sure nobody followed us. If they see that flash, we're cooked for sure. Not that Robert was planning for anything to go wrong, but if the past had taught him one thing, it's never to assume. And Robert was not assuming a single thing. Too much was at stake tonight. Speaking of that, there's no time like the present. Laura, he asked, reaching into his pocket and running his fingers over the velvet-covered box stashed there. Yeah, she replied, but was still busy investigating the animatronic before her. Look at me. She turned reluctantly. 
Robert had dropped to one knee, hand outstretched, box open. Laura, he started. What the hell? She cut him off. What are you doing? (laughs) Robert continued. He realized there might be a bit of a shock during this moment as the joy of what's happening flooded her nervous system. The videos he studied online of public proposals have bared this out, so it was best for him just to keep going. He was ready for this. I know we haven't known each other very long. Oh, no. But you mean the world to me. No, 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 Laura muttered, taking a small step backwards. This was not going well. Robert decided it was best to sort of hurry things along. Will you do me the honor of becoming my wife? Laura looked stunned, he thought, and not in the good way. She was quiet, hands covering her mouth. This was not going well at all. And then, there in the darkness, he could see her start to smirk. A laugh choked her words. Are you, are you absolutely shitting me right now? The words spat out at him like sparks. In what goddamn reality do you think that, oh my God, she turned around facing the pirate scene. Robert froze. How could he have been so wrong? He did everything right this time. He was sure of it. He dove headfirst into her life, her history, where she was before she moved into this building and into his life. He knew it all. And isn't that what women wanted, after all, to have someone care about them in these deep ways? To actually want to know these things about them? Robert was just efficient about it all. He assumed that Laura would appreciate his efficiency. He did leave room for something to go south, but not like this. Not so spectacularly. I really need to... She spun around. I thought you bringing me here was your way of apologizing for breaking into my stuff, for lurking around in the hallways, for always, and I mean always, being in the lobby when I come home. Like you... Something in her face changed. Even in this low light, Robert could see it. Have you been stalking me, Robert? Laura, look, I... I only came here because you could get me backstage, she shouted. I don't even really like you. Her face relaxed. Take me home, she said quietly. I want to go home. Laura, listen, Robert began, rising to both feet and pocketing the small velvet-covered box. He suddenly hated that box, hated it with all his might. It was burning a hole through his pocket, right through his hand, but he held on tight. Robert, her voice was much calmer now, kind of like on TV when people are trying to calm someone down, someone they maybe see as a threat. Robert thought it sounded quite condescending. Robert... Please show me the way out. I want to get out. He managed to laugh. Laura, please, come on. I think you might be overreacting just a bit here. She closed her eyes in frustration. Robert had to gain control of this and fast. He could not lose this chance at finally being happy. Laura took a deep breath in and absolutely exploded at Robert. You listen to me, you son of a bitch. You get me out of this place and back outside right goddamn now. She took a few steps towards Robert. He was in awe of just how fast she could gain ground on him, like a a doe bounding in a field. She was nose to nose with Robert now, and while he couldn't hear what she was saying for some reason, it didn't matter. She was beautiful. He brought his hands to her face, caressing her cheek gently. Laura, I love you. Her eyes opened wide and then went soft. Robert noticed wetness on his hands and on the front of his shirt. Laura's body started to become limp the weight of it too much for him to hold on to, and he dropped her to the floor. Robert looked down to see his clenched fist dripping blood. 
Opening it slowly, he saw his Leatherman lying in his palm, knife exposed. Robert's knees started to give out. He dropped the knife as he fell, coming to rest facing Laura. Tears in his eyes, he watched her last few breaths being taken, and as his eyes closed, he felt true sadness for the first time. The sound of garbage bags being tossed into a dumpster is unmistakable. Robert should know. Being a janitorial, he's done his fair share of it. If he played his cards just right, he could slip out of here without anybody seeing him. Frank was a different story, but there was time later to figure that out. Right now, Robert had to get off property, get home, and make sure there was nothing tying him to Laura's place. Judging by her reaction, she hadn't told anyone about their conversations. Normally, that would make him feel terrible. But considering the night he just had, it was probably for the best. Robert walked back to his car from the dumpster, sticking to the sides of the buildings and avoiding the lights at all costs. The occasional cast member was out and about, but Robert was able to keep up enough distance that nobody could really make out who he was. Before jumping in his car, there was one last thing left to do. Entering pirates from a different place this time and making a few turns, Robert was back in the ride, this time at the jail scene. Walking past the unmoving but still jailed pirates, Robert felt a sense of connection with them. He too felt trapped. Trapped in a cell someone else made for him while some dumb bitch held the key in her mouth and refused to give it to him. It made him tut a bit as he approached the small semi-hidden mass on the ground by the walkway just underneath one of the fallen show beams that represented the great village above him. Robert reached in his pocket and slid out a long, thin object, not as gray and faded as the bones of the skeleton in front of him, but he felt it would work. Placing it underneath the skeleton... Robert felt a sense of completeness. After cleaning up his mess he made earlier, he knew it was only right if a part of Laura stayed here forever. He was only sorry it couldn't have been more of her, but a rib was all he could safely get away with. And besides, so much of the skeleton was still real human bone, nobody would ever look too closely if the time came for Disney to ever remove and dispose of the remains. Tucking the bone deep under the existing rib cage of the fallen skeleton, Robert bumped against a few smaller bones hidden away there too. Memories flooded back to him, but only for an instant. He needed to get out, and memory lane could wait. Back in his car, Robert crept towards the gate, towards Frank, the only person that could place him backstage at all. Through the window, he could see Frank's form pacing, still on the phone, it looked like. Robert flashed his high beams at the shack, and the form stopped for a second. Then the gate opened. A meaty hand shot out of the window and gave a friendly little wave to Robert as he drove past. He looked over to find Frank, paying him no attention whatsoever. Robert was home free, and Laura, well, Laura was an unfortunate mistake. Not his first, but hopefully his last. Shifting his car into second gear, Robert felt good, better than he felt in a long time. Yeah, the future looked bright, and as the dawn began to break over Anaheim, Robert began humming a little tune. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. The end. Yeah! Holy Bro. crap! What do you think? <laughs> that was great. That's pretty good. I have opinions and questions. <laughs> and holy crap. I feel dirty. <laughs> Why? I live with him. <laughs> and, like... For the time being. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> wow. No, thank you. Good job. All right, Taryn. Well, let's take a break. Well, no. Yeah. We'll take a break. Well, so, uh, yeah. 
Let's do that. I'm going to take a quick break. All right, let's take a quick break, everybody. We'll come right back with Taryn's story. Then we got Disney news to cover and a whole bunch of other stuff. So hang on. It's Ears Up Podcast. Spooky stories. We'll be right back. Gee, sorry, guys, but that guy bought 14 churros. I'm all sold out. And now, back to the show. Yeah, man, it's time for a scary stinger. Let's go! We're back. We're back. We're ready to uh, scare everybody with Taryn's story. All right. So can I say something just real quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Normally on these shows, you walk away and you're like, oh, my gosh, like it was really spooky. It's paranormal kind of things like that. Yeah. Jason, do we need to have a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, um, you, write, you write what you know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, it was very much like not your life, but life imitating life. <laughs> I Thank you. <laughs> Life imitating uh, re- uh, recent news, if you will. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Recent news? Oh, like the yeah, the the chick whose boyfriend yeah, killed Gabby her? and homeboy. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I love you so much that I I I don't want you to be with anyone else, and so I'm going to have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I did, what I was trying to get across is that it was like he didn't mean to do it. He like blacked out. He was an actor. Apparently more than once. Yeah, right. Multiple times. Right. And he has a stash box of bones. But maybe he should yeah. stop taking dates to Disney. I, yeah. Maybe he should stop dating. Yeah. Maybe he <laughs> yeah. should just stop being a person. Uh, well, see, that's the there funny thing is he's not actually like a person. Felt, it's not a real Disney seller. I, but I felt bad for him for a minute. I was like, yeah. I was very sympathetic to his. Oh, like, nice. And then he, yeah, yeah. Okay, That's sure. Good. He was a stalker, but he was just looking for love. And then he was a <laughs> crazy ass killer. And I was like, yo, you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yo, you got to go. That's the hard part about, you know, writing stuff like that is like uh that's a way to say like breaking and not that i'm like on this level or anything i'm not saying that but like that's why breaking bad was really popular one of the reasons because walter white clearly was doing bad but he's not as bad as like other people and so then suddenly he was good and that's the that's what made it for interesting uh watching is like the conflict between you want him to be his best, but also want him to get caught. Why am I swearing I don't know. so much? Your story had so much swearing. I know, but that there was that's, so many swears. That's fine. I mean, the B word. I feel like it's okay. Um, but yeah. you know, but I said the B word because it's in the actual like dog. There was other swears though. Yeah, I was just surprised. Yeah, me too. I'll probably <laughs> I'll probably uh, lose sleep over it. Anyways, um, all right, Taryn, let's get on to uh, let's get on to your story, huh? All right, mine does have a title. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, I made it up to just now, like yeah. recently. I'm gonna change my name to Robert if you keep talking to me like this. All right, here we go. <laughs> shut up. Tell me to shut up. Yeah. Damn. This is called familiars. Gross! Grunted Gemma as she reached for a lint brush. These feral cats keep finding a way into my locker. My uniform is covered in feline hair. It's called fur," said Beth with an excited smirk. And actually, give it to me. We're going to need that later today. Just then, Elliot and Danny entered the break room, and Beth's smirk turned into a full-blown smile. This is the first time in three weeks that we've all been on the same shift. This is perfect. I brought the stuff. Today is the day. Now, don't forget to meet at the firehouse at lunch. We only have 30 minutes, so there's no time to spare. Elliot, bring the keys. Danny, you're on watch. And Gemma, no pictures. 
Beth, Gemma, Elliot, and Danny had been in the same traditions class when they started at Disneyland six years ago and had remained close ever since. It was during a late-night bonfire on Huntington Beach last summer that they first decided to conjure the ghost of Walt Disney. Beth's aunt works at the House of Intuition on Sunset in Los Angeles, which is the premier spot for all things occult, and she was able to procure everything she needed to create the perfect seance. A proper seance requires three candles, a place familiar to the spirit, a cloth to sit on, and if you can get it, a handful of cat fur. The crew finished getting ready, clocked in, and went their separate ways to begin their shifts. Beth was scheduled to work at the Tiki Room with Cheryl, who was also in the same traditions class as the others, but being categorically cynical, Cheryl wanted no part in the seance. Danny worked in Disneyland security, Elliot was on the maintenance team, and Gemma was a resident photographer. After a few hours of explaining to guests that the Enchanted Tiki Room was closed for maintenance, Beth looked at her watch and smiled. It was break time. While Cheryl just rolled her eyes, Beth shot her a knowing smile and sauntered out of Adventureland. She ran into Gemma on Main Street and walked with her to meet Elliot and Danny in front of the firehouse. Danny, being a member of Disneyland security, was able to make sure the backstage gate would remain open for them and that they wouldn't get caught. One by one, the four friends slipped through the gate to the right of the firehouse and slowly crept up the stairs leading to Walt's apartment. Elliot held the keys to every building in the park, so while Danny stood watch at the bottom of the stairs to make sure no one was around, Elliot unlocked the door. With the girls nervously watching behind him, he slowly turned the knob and pushed the door in. Suddenly, a white cat dashed out from the apartment, startling the group. Oh my god, that nearly gave me a heart attack, Elliot said, grabbing his chest as the girls walked past him into the apartment. The apartment was like a time capsule, a little piece of history. There were remnants of Walt Disney everywhere, from the antique furniture, to the books on the side table, to the Tom and Jerry punch bowl. There was no better spot to conjure his spirit. In front of the, apartment, in front of the apartment's front window, Beth laid out a burgundy-colored cloth on the floor. She then asked everyone to sit in the circle and lit the three candles. Okay, she started, intensely looking at each of her friends. The circle is symbolic of the circle of life and helps keep the spirit contained while the candles will attract the spirit because they are said to seek light and warmth. Now, Beth continued, the cat fur isn't totally necessary for a seance and can create irregular results, but according to my aunt, due to the myth of a cat's nine lives and their ability to cheat death, felines often accompany spirit seekers and can be instrumental in carrying messages from the afterlife. So we're going to use it. Beth pulled the clump of cat fur from her pocket. She crumpled up a small bit of the fur and carefully placed it over the flame of the candle nearest to her. It burned really quickly, scorching the tip of her finger, and left a lingering trail of greenish-black smoke accompanied by an indescribably rancid stench. Beth bit her lip and shot an apologetic glance at her friends, and then told everyone to hold hands. Okay, let's begin. Light of the candle, hair of the cat. Come to us now, wherever you're at. Show us you're here. It's time to respond. Send us a message from somewhere beyond. We're in a familiar place to you. Our circle is open for you to come through. We just have some questions we'd like to ask. Please join our circle and prepare to unmask. We're in your apartment. We're calling you near. Walt Disney, give us a sign that you're near. They sat in silence. Nothing happened. Then, 
Suddenly, Walt's famous table lamp turned off. The four friends looked around the candlelit room in fear and excitement. With adrenaline running high, they gripped each other's hands tighter. Beth asked, Mr. Disney, is that you? Are you here with us now? The light turned on, then off again. With goose pimples on her arm, Beth asked, Mr. Disney, will you enter our circle? Will you join us? The light flickered on and then off once more. Then Gemma felt a small breeze across her back. Then a hand slowly crawled up to her shoulder. <laughs> she screamed. <laughs> Cheryl laughed as she flicked the light switch in the hallway. You guys are such freaks, she said, rolling her eyes. Did you really think you could bring Walt back? Look, just so you know, the suits are here today and you guys better get out of here before you get caught. You guys could all get fired for this. Annoyed, Beth shot a look at Cheryl and sighed. <sighs> then she blew out the candles and packed up the blanket. Danny tried comforting Beth while helping her pack up the seance. It's okay. I mean, we were just playing around anyway. I didn't really think we were going to bring Walt back. I mean, how many other people have tried this, you know? The five cast members then left the apartment. Danny stood watch and Elliot locked up after everyone was out. They smiled to each other. I mean, except Beth, who was still a bit salty and went their separate ways to clock back in and finish up their shifts. Gemma was stationed in front of the castle. She'd always liked photography and was over the moon when she found out six years ago that she got the job at Disneyland. As per usual, she stood there doing everything in her power to make kids smile for their prized family photo. She took pride in her work and really took the time to make sure that every photo had perfect lighting, that no one had their eyes closed, and that each and every photo was perfectly frame-worthy. She motioned to her current couple to face each other and put their hands up as if they were holding something. They'd later Photoshop a tiny Tinkerbell sitting in their hands. She took a couple shots, then looked into her camera. The lighting was good. Their hands were level. Perf. Wait, what is that? She thought to herself. She zoomed in and saw a fluffy white cat sitting at the couple's feet. She chuckled, looking at the camera screen, then looked up, ready to inform the couple about their new feline friend, when she noticed they were it was no longer there. You know what? She said to the couple, there was something in the last photo. Let's um let's do another one. She raised the camera and snapped a couple more photos, then checked the screen again. The cat was in the photo. She looked up and nothing was there. She scrolled over to check the other photos. They all had the cat. Confused and growing anxious, she used all of her energy to smile and told the couple that she had the shot and they could check the app in a couple hours to get the final photos. Then she ran toward Adventureland. Beth and Cheryl were outside the Enchanted Tiki Room. Beth was purposely ignoring Cheryl and only speaking to guests when Gemma ran up, looking white as a ghost, tears welling up. Beth, I need to talk to you, Gemma whispered. Elliot was inside the Tiki Room building, doing some electrical maintenance on the bird chandelier, so Beth knew they could talk in there. They entered the tiki room through the main entrance, and Beth motioned for Gemma to sit down on one of the benches. Just as Gemma sat down, there was an enormous thud. Both the girls looked toward the sound on the other side of the room. With their hearts beating out of their chests, Beth stood up first, looking toward the exit of the tiki room, and slowly making her way over there. When she got to the edge of the third set of benches, she saw that one of the hanging planters for the show had completely fallen down. Relieved, she looked to Gemma. It's okay, just the planter fell. Gemma didn't respond. She just kept staring blankly in the direction of the sound. Gemma slowly raised her arm and pointed toward the ground where the broken planter lay. That's when Beth noticed the growing path of red liquid draining toward the center of the room. What the... started Beth as she moved closer to investigate. 
As she stood over the broken planner, she couldn't figure out where the blood was coming from until she looked up and saw Elliot's lifeless body hanging from the wires that used to hold the planner. Beth ran to the entrance and called Cheryl over. Call Danny on the walkie-talkie now, Beth urgently called out. What's going on? Nothing, just call Danny. Tell him I need security here. Cheryl got on the walkie and did as Beth asked. Then she forced her way into the tiki room. Cheryl gasped. Oh my God, what did you guys do? She spotted the fallen planter and was walking toward it when she saw Gemma still looking stunned. Confused and curious, she now started to inspect the area. Just as she looked up and saw Elliot, the tiki room door swung open and Danny barged in. What's going on? Is everyone okay? No, Beth answered, shutting the door behind him. Get in here. Look. Danny looked up to where Beth was pointing. Oh my God. We need to call the police. Danny took out his walkie to call the other security cast members, but the walkie wouldn't work. <sighs> Hello? Hello? <sighs> Can anyone hear me? Hello? Damn it. Beth, call 911 from the house phone. I'll run backstage and get someone. Danny pulled on the entrance door, but they were locked. He ran across the room to check the exit doors. Beth picked up the phone near the front entrance, but like the walkie-talkie, it too was dead. God, does anyone have a cell phone on them? No, Cheryl admitted. I got written up last week for sneaking one outside of backstage. This doesn't make sense, says Danny, said Danny, thinking out loud. These doors don't even lock from the inside. And it's not an emergency power shutoff thing because the lights are on. And why don't the walkies work in here? They worked like two minutes ago. The four of them stood there for a few long, silent seconds. Then the lights shut off. In the pitch black, windowless room, they stood there, scared and confused. Danny reached for his flashlight, and when he flicked it on, nothing happened. He shook it to jigger the batteries, but nothing worked. It's the seance, Gemma said quietly, breaking the deafening silence. We've opened the door to the other side. Cheryl huffed. <laughs> no, that crap doesn't work. Your seance was just you guys sitting in a room being stupid. Give me your camera. Gemma handed the camera over to Cheryl, and she started taking pictures. The flash hurt everyone's eyes, but it did give them a half-second glimpse at the room. Looking at the camera screen, Cheryl snapped a few more photos, giving the crew a few more seconds of strobed visibility. Cheryl noticed a small figure appear in one of the photos, and as she continued snapping pictures, the flash showed the small figure moving closer and closer and closer until the group heard a shrill cry and the flashes stopped. At that moment, the enchanted tiki room lit up, the wall tiki started moving and chanting the Hawaiian war chant. Terrified, but also thankful for the modicum of visibility, they were now able to look around and investigate what caused the horrible screeching sound they heard moments ago. As Gemma took a step backwards, she tripped over Cheryl, who was lying face down in a pool of her own blood. Gemma screamed, and Danny ran over. He turned Cheryl's limp body over to discover that her face was completely unrecognizable. Every inch of it had been mangled, so much so that Danny regretfully thought to himself that it more closely resembled a tomato bolognese sauce than a human face. Meanwhile, Gemma, overcome with terror and shock, began hyperventilating. She grabbed at her chest and mouthed to the others that she couldn't breathe. Gasping for air, she fell to the ground and began convulsing. Danny and Beth tried to calm her, and when the convulsing stopped, Danny tried CPR, but it was too late. As Gemma lie there, eyes still open, 
a small orange cat approached and rubbed against her spiritless body. Danny noticed the cat and in a fit of rage picked up the feline and threw it across the room. The cat, as cats do, landed on all fours. It meowed loudly and nonchalantly walked back toward Danny. Another cat, this one gray, suddenly appeared on Danny's left. He kicked it away, but without hesitation, it came back. Beth pulled on Danny's arm to try and persuade him to move away from the cats, but he wouldn't move. It's fine. They're just cats. He snapped at her. And at that very moment, the bird chandelier lowered from the ceiling, the fountain lit up, started spurting up water, and the birds started singing. Petrified, Danny looked up as a large black cat jumped from the chandelier onto his face. Danny spun around trying to remove the cat's claws from his cheek, but he slipped on the blood on the floor and fell directly into the fountain, causing water to spill all over him and the floor. The orange cat jumped onto the chandelier and began pawing at a piece of dangling wire hanging from the ceiling where Elliot had been working earlier. The loose wire dropped from the ceiling and landed on Danny's arm. Lights flashed as electricity coursed through his veins, causing him to convulse wildly like a lost fish too far from the river, until he finally fell to the floor in a heap of blackened flesh. The lights went out, leaving Beth in a state of horrified shock, alone in the pitch-black, silent tiki room. In the blackness, she couldn't see them, but Beth could hear the cat's paws padding on the ground. They were slowly but purposefully walking toward her. They began circling her feet and purring loudly. She stood completely still, unable to move. As the cats narrowed in, she could feel that they were lying down in a heap across her feet. Breathing loudly, with thoughts spinning in her head, she looked up suddenly when she saw the green exit sign turn on. The exit doors flew open. The light from the outside blinded her, and she covered her face with her arm. Squinting, she looked toward the open door and saw silhouettes of people coming toward her. A security guard approached her. Are you okay? We, we got a signal from the walkies, but I couldn't hear what anyone was saying, and it, it looks like an electrical short caused the doors to malfunction. Were, were you trapped in here for long? Walking around the room, a second security guard spoke up. Jeez, I knew they were doing maintenance, but this place is a disaster. Beth, unable to find any words, looked around the now-lit room. She saw the broken planner, water splashed everywhere, and wires hanging from the ceiling. But nowhere in the room did she see her friend's bodies or any trace of blood. The cats, still surrounding her, meowed. She bent down to get a closer look at them. She hadn't remembered seeing any of the Disneyland feral cats with collars before, but these cats had them. She looked at the tag of the orange cat, and to her horror, it read Elliot. Quickly looking at the other tags, they read Gemma, Cheryl, and Danny. She swallowed air as she flipped Danny's tag over and saw an inscription written on the back. Light of the candle, hair of the cat. We are now with you always, wherever you're at. The end. Oh my gosh, Taryn. Y'all are ruining Disneyland for me. I can't go back. (laughs) We can't afford it anyway, brother. Well, that's true. Yeah, something like that. Good job, Taryn. Thanks. You're welcome. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Just let you guys know, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, 
if we're ever at Disneyland, like, and something goes down, y'all, y'all better keep up. I'm out. I'm running. <laughs> run, like, run, leaving run. all of his kids behind. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it when I'm done running, but I'm running. <laughs> yeah, same. That's what you got to do. I hate this assignment every year, but I do enjoy this show. I'm not actually it. doing it, but I love listening to the stories that you guys come mm. up with. This is yeah. hands down my favorite show that we do. Yeah, I enjoy it. But I also hate it at the same time. Same. <laughs> March in the past, same. present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. All right, like I said, we've got a couple important uh, Disney News articles to uh, cover one of which has gained a lot of popularity here, but it, it does seem to be slowing down, actually, so that's good news. Um, you know how I love petitions? <laughs> They're like the greatest thing in the universe. They they always work, especially on change.org. So if you want to change the world, uh, the best thing to do is complain about it digitally. Well, and I, I, I've discovered that the people who come up with petitions actually are very knowledgeable <laughs> about, about the subject the that thing, they're about the thing that they're trying to change. Like they know all the ins and outs of it. It's 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 I, I want to be like them. This is true. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, speaking of being like them, there is now a current uh, petition here to fire Disney CEO Bob Chapek. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, regardless of what you think about the job that he's doing, this is this is the. Um, I'm just going to read like most of it because it's very funny and it makes literally no sense. Um, Bob Chapek became the chairman of the Parks and Resorts for Disney in 2015. He has consistently made decisions that decrease the quality of what is put into the parks. Consistently. I mean, I, I could do a, literally an entire show breaking this down, like how, how just this makes no sense. Nothing of what this person is saying has any value or basis in reality. You're trying to tell me that Star Wars land is not as a decrease in quality? Are you serious right now? Like, <laughs> I, what are you talking? Literally, what are you talking about? Um, and also ones, uh, um, he constantly made decisions that decreased the quality and also ones that favor using intellectual properties instead of original attractions. This person's pretending that Walt Disney never existed. <laughs> right? Or any other CEO prior to <laughs> right. Bob Paycheck. Exactly. <laughs> he consistently put himself and money above the product and the quality of the company. How? I would love for you to explain that because how do you know this? In early 2000, he became the CEO of Walt, the Walt Disney Company, which was extremely concerning. Okay, cool. For no reason, but that's fine. Bob Chapek has made an excessive amount of budget cuts. Where are they? Even with the COVID-19 pandemic being considered. So... I don't understand. Like in early 2000, which is when the pandemic started, he made these choices. He wasn't even. He, he, yeah, it's he like, wasn't. no, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Right. Right. Bob Iger took anyway. Uh, budget cuts began before the pandemic began and increased. So budget cuts began. So you're already you've, negating what you just said. Yes. This is what I don't understand. Early 2000 is February. When did the pandemic Don't. start? January. This person is very smart. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you are so, just stomping all over if, he or she. If budget, if budget cuts were started before the pandemic began in January, maybe they mean lockdown, but the pandemic began in January, even December, depending on when you look at it. So it's like the budget cuts began before he took over, but we're going to, we're going to poop on him because 
I don't know. I don't know why. It's it's like what the guys at the Supreme Resort said in their last show. He's just a scapegoat. He totally is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he recently reinstated full executive salaries at Disney and also has, I mean, we've complained about that and also laid off over 28,000 employees throughout the company, but they're bringing them back. The parks are still at 85% capacity in Disneyland. And yes, you, every other business did that too. Like (laughs) when your company is closed, you don't keep people on your bankroll. (laughs) Furlough. (laughs) Yeah. And like, and we all sort of crapped on it too, because it does, it did suck it sucks the, the sure. amount the amount of money disney makes mm-hmm. they could have lost more money and but i know that that's like the reality and my world quite often don't match up but i'm not going to go and put it out on the the internet and, and tap people sign I me mean, i guess i do people listen how, to it but i mean look but also however those people probably benefited more because unemployment in california wasn't that bad like it yeah was probably better than what they were doing yeah and now he's moving the focus to disney plus the focus of what the focus of what his evil right the current <laughs> big money maker so this person's really saying that disney plus makes more money than the parks i don't really think that's true but maybe instead of keeping the parks at high quality you know adventures campus just launched I don't know if you. I mean, I don't know if you knew that or not, but you know, there's there's high quality there, even though it is sort of boring. Uh, normally, you would think to keep the quality of the parks during a time of decreased revenue. Okay. Yes. Right. But he's concerned about what will make him the most money quickest. How do you know that? How do you know he's concerned about that? And he gets paid either way. It doesn't matter. It's Ma- the beauty of a salary. Maintenance at the parks has also gotten its worst under Chapek, and it's not getting better gotten its worst yeah has it (laughs) do we know that for a fact also they're understaffed because it's a lower capacity because they're not making and it's a whole thing uh has proven he doesn't care about the quality and legacy of disney josh tomorrow the current chairman chairman m-e-n not chairman but so anyway this person so and like throughout the whole thing like things that are capitalized uh, should be capitalized that they're not and things and vice versa grammar's all over the place punctuation is missing entirely almost and it's like we get spelling errors but this person has no idea what's going on. Uh Josh Demar has not been able to do much under current circumstances but has been very involved in the parks assuring quality, greeting guests and even riding through new attractions to assure high quality. You really want the CEO of the entire company riding rides in Disneyland to make sure that things like, are you serious right now? This person has no idea. No, that's why tomorrow is there. That's what he does. Yeah. And also, does he do that? Is this actually happening? Is the chairman of the parks and resorts (laughs) actually doing that? No, maybe. Who knows? But what do you want Chapek to do? Like go and and, uh, taste the popcorn to make sure the popcorn's tasting good too for this person? So far, he has proven an interest and commitment to the parks and want to make them better. While he hasn't been there for long, he has made a wonderful impression and could be a good replacement for Mr. Chapek. So this person is just blowing smoke up tomorrow's. They think he's for sure. Yeah. And and look, I don't I don't love Bob Chapek. I don't I mean, I don't I can't I couldn't tell you five good things he's done, but I couldn't tell you five bad things he's done. I don't know exactly. what he's doing. I Nobody don't, can I don't care. Nobody can. Exactly. It's like since February yeah, exactly. twenty twenty. Exactly. Like this is he not hasn't, good. <laughs> he hasn't had the opportunity to it, he was handed a bag of crap that was on fire. 
He was. That is I mean, true. He, he, he took over a, a company or a yeah. he's, he's dizzy. He took over a company in the middle of a, like a pandemic, a shutdown. Like it was, it was terrible. He, he's, doing his best but i think so too i think time will tell like i mean i time think that tell. at some point complaints or whatever will be warranted i just don't think that time is now i think you need to let the man actually fail i agree before you I- call him a failure yeah. yeah well and so this petition was started a year ago and it's what? just now what? like so so these disney news sites have like picked it up and turned like it into this today. machine yeah right so like i heard about it i think yesterday the day before like jeremy tweeted about it and it had like 7,000, you know, whatever. And over, I don't know, 30 hours, it had gained 30,000 signatures. And now it's almost at 50,000. And, and so you look at the comments about like why people are signing this. Because you can, you can do that. You can leave like, why I signed. The first Disney comment. And charges too much. Yeah. The current, the, 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 the oldest one is over a year ago. Like it's an old, it's an old petition that somehow got, you know, risen uh, from the dead, um, Charlotte Morgan. He is a greedy cheapskate who wants to bleed dry every single Disney park goer out there, and that's putting it mildly. He is trying wow. to fix something that was never broken to begin with and works perfectly for all fans before the original Fast Pass got removed. Does she remember? Like, this is the the problem with the internet is like our short term memory is just gone. <laughs> it's just done. You know there there were there were petitions about Bob Iger. There nobody likes Michael Eisner. Like there's every Disney CEO has a bunch of problems. No Disney fan thinks that the park the way it is is its purest form. They all want it to be something different so they can just cry about it. Yeah, and so, it's not all Disney, but you know what I mean. Like the most, the, it's yeah. the vocal minority, and it's just insane. What are you talking about? It worked. It was never broken. What do you? First of all, what are we talking about? The parks. Parks have been busted for a long ass time. <laughs> Get me a CEO that lowers the price, yeah. makes it so that nobody else goes to Disneyland. But when me and I'm my there, family, right? Exactly. He will get all of my votes. So something <laughs> I don't. I think that that people uh, they forget how long JPEG has been with the company. It's been since like '93, and if you look at where he was when he was the um, the chairman of the Parks and Resorts yeah. under his t- in his tenure at that position, you have Shanghai Disneyland that was built. You have the Pandora, the World of Avatar that was built. Yeah, Star Wars, Galaxy's Edge, that was built. You have a lot of great things that were built under his tenure, and people are taking a snapshot where he literally was in a position for, what, two weeks before the pandemic shut down the parks. Right. It's wild. Uh, 12 months ago, Brian Comore, I want the Disney family in charge of the Walt Disney Company, not Bob Chapek. So this person... Well, they obviously don't want to be. This person signed this petition because they want the Disney... Like, this is the disconnect with so many of these people who are signing this. I love Disney, but I hate Bob Paycheck. Um, Nothing but corporate greed. That's the Disney Company. Just in general. Exactly. I mean, I read some dumb thing where, like, in 2000, tickets were 41 bucks. So yeah, it's ticket prices are going up. This is not Damn. anything new. It's not and it's not JPEX like thing too. It's very strange, dude. Um 
Rudolph Malone, I'm signing this because Bob Chapek is a dirty, rotten, no good, despicable son of a glitch. <laughs> and he has no interest in Roger Rabbit. And he and his staff certainly don't like Jessica Rabbit at all. And worst of all, he, Bob Iger, and the staff of Walt Disney Productions wouldn't release Song of the South because they think it's just not appropriate in today's world. Not to mention the fact that Disney's retheming Splash Mountain to a Princess and the Frog dark ride just because they try to stay relevant to the times. And I, Nicholas Malone, and the rest of the Disney fans think that Bob Chapek is the worst Disney CEO ever. Eight exclamation points. These people are mentally wow. ill. I would feel very, very bad for people who signed this. It's, yeah. It just sort of shows that you don't really like it's weird, dude. So actually, I'm going to just jump in really fast here just about a uh, song of the South and whatever. Yeah. Um, you know how Disney does like the for a lot of their movies. This I watched Aladdin with Abby not that long ago, and it was like this movie was made at a time and stereotypes. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Terrence is staring at a, a hole into your head. It's not the, way. the only <laughs> one that does that. I bought gone with the wind on amazon years ago and i watched it a couple nights ago and it does this it's new it didn't do it before but now it does the same thing like it this movie was created during a time when stereotypes were perpetuated blah 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 but i was i was kind of surprised to see that that's my whole story yeah well and it's, it's not good just disney that's doing that at this point no well and they weren't the first either that's the other thing it's like it's not just disney doing this i mean i we we do it, change is uncomfortable and we do need to, to move forward and respect people's opinions. I'm sorry, but if your feelings are hurt, let's talk about it. This is, I've always said this. Don't be quiet because you think that, oh, people are going to assume that I don't have a sense of humor or whatever, or it's just jokes or, oh, you know, I'm not really serious or whatever. Like, if it bothers you, we should talk about it because we all have the right to be happy. And if I'm seeing a thing that you're putting out that doesn't make me happy, I have the right, literally the right to say I don't like it. You as a company owner can decide if you want to do something about it. The company decides that people's feelings are important and should be protected if we can. And to let people know that, hey, just because you see this movie and you're in your 20s or your teens doesn't mean that you watching this piece of art gives you the right to then go and recreate it. Just so you know, we don't really think this is, you know, this is just a snapshot in time. You know, art is just what it is. You can't, I, you know, it's, it's hard. What, what, do you, what do you do? It's hard. It's hard to figure out. And so they're doing the best they can. Um, I just, I don't know, man. Song of the South. Also, if you've seen it, it's awful. It's boring. It's really it's good. So boring as hell. So be thankful that you can't see it anymore. Cause it's crazy. B. It is you cannot, not good. You can't stay awake during that movie. No, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And then it, I've actually, I have sat through that movie one time and I was at the end, I was like, Okay, but why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, well, let's talk why? about uh, uh, ticket prices because that was a big uh, point of contention, apparently, in that cool petition. Um, Disneyland Resort raises prices on tickets and parking, adds a sixth tier to demand pricing. So now... There's a sixth option to get charged a little bit more. I think it's just to make it so confusing Jeez. that you don't think about it anymore. You're just like, just take my money. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's like <laughs> just the, whatever. Yeah, oh. now there's no gap where it's like well, whatever. It's only eight bucks more. Who cares? Yeah, you know that kind of thing. You're you're you're, you're probably right. And again, this goes back to the well. Then this is Chapex legacy. Do, is it? Is it something that Iger maybe floated around in 2019? Who knows? Like we don't know the story. That's the thing. 
the, the parks are at a lower capacity. They need to make more money. I'm not saying that I agree that the, the prices are, are good. It's a good thing to raise the prices. But you got the minimum wage coming up um, to 15 bucks an hour now. You got lower park capacity. This was going to happen. I'm sure there are happen. reasons for it. But also, like, yeah, go ahead and blame him. Who cares? I mean, you, we were talking about this the other night, yeah. and you're like, "This is this is literally his job is just to take all yeah. this." That's that's what that's what CEOs do. That's what presidents of companies do. They they don't actually. No offense to any out there, they don't <laughs> do a lot. They're there to to take the blame for this stuff to to put their signature on something to say, "Yes, we're going to do that." Yeah, and that's what he's doing, and so he can take the heat. He's he's he fine. Can, he can take the heat. Uh, the resort will be moving from a five-tier demand pricing structure for one-day tickets to a six-tier system. Now, the busiest days of the year designated as Tier 6 will cost $164. Holy crap. For a one-day, one-park ticket, while one-day park hopper tickets for Tier 6 days will cost $224 for park hopping. We park hopping, oh, baby. That's the thing. Like You have to go. Gosh. It's funny because they want you to not go. Right, like they make it so expensive to go, so they're they're trying on busy to... days, yeah. Because because but... on the normal day it's one oh four still. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but they're also they make it so it only makes sense if you get multiple day tickets. Right. Correct. Which to me also seems sort, sort of, of con- stupid. It seems confusing. Yeah. Like, are we trying not? Are we trying That's... to reduce the population in there, or or what are we doing? That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah. Like it's it's it's. It it's a little confusing. Yeah, for sure. Um, do, they, do they think people who are going to buy multi-day tickets are going to be like, oh, we, you know, we'll spend five hours today and seven hours tomorrow? Like, yeah. As far as I know, that's not, like if you're shelling out the money, like I'm going to Disneyland with Terrence's family in a couple weeks and for Abby and I to go, it was almost 800 bucks. Jeez. For three days. It's, that is it's, crazy. It is, it is a word that I can't say. Yeah. Um, but that's what it is. And well, and you got, I'm going to be there opening to closing <laughs> yeah. every day because I paid a stupid amount of money to be there. A one day one uh, a one day park hopper at tier one at the lowest price used to be one fifty one fifty nine now it's one sixty four so it is those sort of like little incremental like okay it's five dollars whatever I'll pay it but it's five dollars per what is the park capacity twenty thousand I mean you know what I mean like it's just it adds up and so you can get these little incremental these incremental Johns if you got uh, a five day one park per day that went up twenty bucks it's three hundred eighty dollars. Um, in addition to theme park ticket price hikes, Disneyland is also raising various parking prices. Now, guest parking will cost $30 a day to park at the parks, up from 25 <laughs> um, Hotel parking options have all increased as well. Um, the old price to park at the Hotel Self Park was 25 bucks. Now it's $35. To what park, hotel? To park yourself. Oh, uh, just the Disney, uh, the, um, all oh, of any them. of the Disney Yeah, 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 yeah. Oversized self-park. That's, uh, went up 10 bucks. Whatever. Hotel valet. To valet your car. 50 bucks. What? I can do that myself. Thanks, uh, up bro. Up from 35. Like, that, that to me makes literally no sense, but what are you going to do? I don't know. Anyway, there you go. Um, also the dream key, which is the highest tier for magic key. That's currently sold out. They're not selling anymore. Sold out. I saw that yesterday. 
Because again, as I've mentioned, I'm an idiot and I'm probably going to buy an annual pass. Oh, bummer, dude. Hate to see it. Could never be me. <sighs> Hate to see it. Um, are we never going to be the dream key? No. Well, that's that's <laughs> also true. Uh, all right, we're going to get out of here, everybody. We're running a little bit late. We're going to do the secret show here in just a second. So Taryn has to go make a drinky poo. And uh, we'll see you on the stream for, um, yeah, for that, for the secret show. But For the secret show. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like uh, belching and trying not to do that. Um, Okay. Fact of the show, everybody. Sleeping Beauty's Castle in Disneyland is the heart of that park, but it wasn't always called Sleeping Beauty's Castle. During the early phases of planning in 1953, Walt called the centerpiece the Medieval Castle on official documents. By 1954, the name had changed to Snow White's Castle, and then the name changed again to the Fantasyland Castle. By opening day in 1955, with production of Sleeping Beauty well underway, Walt, ever the self-promoter and absorber of IP, had changed the name to Sleeping Beauty Castle. So, there you go. Back to that petition. Nothing is new. Chapek <laughs> is not sh- the first person to shoehorn IP. It was literally Walt friggin' Disney. So, there you go, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Thank you guys very much uh, for uh, your, the hard work you did on your stories. I... Really appreciate it. I thought they were all great. Thank you to Concierge, and uh, thank you to the 21st Amendment. Don't forget to ask for the 21st Amendment beers wherever you find good craft beer, like DCA. 